Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool, and join with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, what's shaking down there in the Bluegrass State? Look, it's baseball season, folks. My Braves are off to a roaring start, although right now it's not looking good. Uh, and then Strohs. My, shut your mouth when you talk to me. Um, and then my youngest, he had his first practice this past uh, Wednesday and has practice tomorrow um, in the evening. So he's all excited. And my oldest, he's had multiple practices uh, in two games, his first two games for this past week. Uh, he got player of the game, in second game. So that was awesome. Uh, and then he started – he was on the mound to start the right. game. For the, I'm sorry? I said all right. Oh, I thought you said where at. He got like, player of the game. At the ball game. Uh, no, and so, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he's pitched. He's played third, short, and first. Um, he's, he's doing pretty good. He's enjoying himself. If he could get out of his head, uh, he can be a basket case at times. I don't know where he gets that from. But he is so competitive, it's not even funny. Um, so I made the joke the other day. My mom came to the game, and he was he was livid about something. And Ashley goes, Dr. Wife, she goes, I don't really – maybe I said it. I bet I said it because I don't think Dr. Wife is dumb enough to say this. Um, I said, I don't know where he gets that from. And my mother looked at me dead in the face. And she goes, I know exactly where he gets it from because I'm pretty sure 30 some odd years ago, I watched this unfold in Beaver Dam. Yeah. And I was like, well, all right. Payback, I guess. But uh, no, things are good, man. Things are good. Busy, but good. What, what's going on with you? You had a big week. Um, yeah, it was a good week. I, I went out to Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City for uh, Charles Spur the Spurgeon Library Conference. So some pretty good speakers. Um, Don Whitney and, and Alex Suprema and Jeff, Jeff Chang is a curator of the museum. So it was a it was a good time. I got to I got the fanboy a little bit. And uh, when everybody left the library, I, I secretly then ran around and took all my pictures that I wanted because I felt I felt kind of embarrassed to try to take all these pictures while the library was full of all the artifacts. Let me tell you, if I was there, I'd be snapping pictures like it was my day job. <laughs> I'd be like, can we, can we change the lighting here? I need to get the shadows just right. I'd have gotten a picture of me in front of his lectern, all that stuff, man. You'd have climbed up it. I, yeah, well, if they would have told, if, unless they told me I couldn't, I most certainly would. Excuse no, me, sir, it's you're, good. You're you're too fat to be up there. Please get down, Mr. Crow. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, sorry. <laughs> you're like, wait, have you seen Charles Spurgeon? <laughs> Charles was a hefty man. I'm going as Charles for Halloween this year. May, maybe not when I take my kids trick or treating. Uh well, I won't take my kids trick or treating this year because of work. Anyway, I'm talking to myself, but uh, I will dress up at work, and I'll have a name tag that says C. H. Spurgeon, just to see how many people I can confuse. It's gonna be fun, my friend. No one's gonna get it. You nope. have to go to Louisville. You have to go to Louisville. 
and trick or treat around Southern Seminary. Yeah, that'd be the only ones who get it. So, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I am extremely jealous. The pictures you sent me were pretty awesome with the with the cigar and and all of that stuff in it. I uh, there's a lot of history there. That's that's pretty cool to to be able to hear other people talk about. Yeah, it was a good time. I I definitely enjoyed myself. Well, good. So uh, I did uh, did talk with a mutual friend of ours the other day, and uh, he was telling me about some some things that he was going to start making. Um, but then he also reminded me that I flub up my words every week while reading the copy, and he needed to make sure that I was pretty deliberate and letting people know that he does not have blacksmith apparel. Yes, uh, he <laughs> does not have blacksmith apparel. <laughs> we do not have, we do not, he called me. Friend of the show, Keith, calls me out of the blue and he's like, hey man, uh, I don't really need anything. I just want to let you know. Um, I don't have apparel. And I was like, cool. <laughs> like there was no context when he said it. And I was like, cool. What? And then he just starts laughing. And he's like, yeah, you always say it wrong. Uh, just so you know, it's merchandise, not apparel. And I was like, Mitch, shut up. Mm. Well, that's a that's a good radio segue. Andy, why don't you talk to us about St. Galgano Armory and their, their blacksmith merchandise, not apparel. St. Galgano sponsors this podcast, especially this episode and all of the rest of them. They make fine blacksmith merchandise. Merchandise, my friends, definitely not apparel. Uh, we're talking uh, door knockers that he's working on. He's made he's made uh, uh, iron or some sort of metal material bookmarks, which look really sweet, tight. by the way. Yeah. Um, he's got hooks. He's got bottom openers. Uh, he's you know he makes knives. His knives look epic. Uh, he's starting to to make axes and things like that, from what I've been told. Um, but you can check him out on all the the major social media platforms. Uh, he is in the process of getting a website, um, so you can browse and get some more information from him. As soon as that is up and running, we will definitely let you guys know. I'm excited about it. Uh, but again, you can you can follow them and find out what's going on on all the major social networking platforms, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then, you know, just encourage you to, to go to his Etsy shop right now and, and check out what he's got going on. Uh, he's been able to be up uh, quite a bit more now, um, recovering from the surgery. So he's been at the forge quite a bit here of late. Um, and so, you know, I'm excited to see what he does with his business. I'm, you know, excited to partner with them uh, throughout. And so it's it's been a, it's been a fun ride. And where can you where can you find a shop out there, Chadwick? So you can check out the uh, blacksmith merchandise, not merchandise, apparel, not apparel, at, at Etsy.com/shop/SaintGalganoArmory. Galgano spelled G-A-L-G-A-N-O. So that's Etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. And you can um, check them out on Twitter and, and Instagram at St. Galgano. 
what what what's blacksmith apparel look like? I don't know. Look, I, I just open my mouth and words come out. I know, if but now if, now I'm thinking, what is what's a what is blacksmith apparel? So some well, don't they, somebody don't they wear those aprons like those big thick like leather type aprons? They do in the movies. Yeah, you see the blacksmith in the. The, like button down shirt with the leather apron and the goggles. Uh, so well, they probably didn't wear goggles back in the day because they were manly men. But whatever. Uh, but you know, he's probably got some kind of eye protection and the leather, the leather garment, if you will. Um, now, now I need to to do some googling. Look, friend of the show, just Keith. Call, or just call Keith. Yeah, Keith. What what kind of apparel do you wear when you're blacksmithing? Is is it no? It's forging. Sorry, blacksmith. I'm done. I'm gonna walk away. Um, you can host this episode on your own. Um, <laughs> as I as I learn how to speak. Well, well, the funny thing is, what are you blacksmithing said? today, Keith? <laughs> what an idiot, Andy. Good lord, go sit funny. in the corner. <laughs> Again, this is why we don't edit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, I know I, you were talking about that. That's what they wear in the movies. And I was thinking, I was watching Dateline last night, trying to fall asleep or early. Of course morning. you were. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm watching this episode where they're talking to the, the detectives are just like, you know, they it's like three months into the murder investigation. The murder weapon's been in the bedroom and they never found it. It's there in plain in the corner. It's a golf club. And I'm thinking... TV and movies make detectives look like this is so easy <laughs> and everything's on the ball. And the reality is, it's like if you and me were investigating a murder, we leave the golf club in the corner for six months. There are some days that I wonder if we find the body. <laughs> uh, we've, been, we've been looking for this person. We assume they're dead. Have I seen them? I don't know. I've been too busy blacksmithing. <laughs> but you're busy looking for blacksmith apparel. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, in the, the body's in the closet next to the uh, the golf club. You think that's it? No, no, that's not even the right <laughs> body. Keep looking. <laughs> it's, somebody it's somebody else's. Somebody get another team. We're gonna need help. It's a dual investigation. Oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, How man. did we make it this many episodes? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it, it, by the time we're recording this, it's been a long week. I'm, 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 I'm ready to preach tomorrow. It's a Saturday night. I'm a little punchy. Whew. Man. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's uh let's let's hop right into our topic here today, here, buddy. Uh let's let's put our guard up, if you will. Uh, oh, see, we can fence. On guard, sir. There you go. So Keith needs to make us. He needs to make us some swords. But the cool, like skinny fencing swords. I don't want one of these big manly those, swords. Those are foils. Fencing swords are foils. Or hear me out. They're fencing swords. Oh, you and your fancy terms for your fancy sticks with pokers. <laughs> You and your... I'm just going to start calling them a poking stick. <laughs> that's, that's what they are. They're poking stick. Anyway, back back to what we were doing. My bad. So, 
I, I was thinking about this. So in, in 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So how do we guard the truth, Andy? Both as preachers, not just as, as preachers and pastors, but as as believers, as church members, as as Christians who go through day to day, you know, go in the work, go in the school, go in the third spaces, you know, coffee shops, gas stations, whatever. How do we guard the truth? I think really you have to know the truth. Ah, that's a good um, point. Because if you don't know the truth, you're you're not really guarding anything. Um, I think that's probably the downfall of the church is because uh, too many of us, I say us as the church, not us as me and you, but too many, too many churches, too many Christians fall to the wayside because we don't, we don't know. We, if it's not being, if it's not taught on a Sunday morning in Sunday school or a Sunday morning at church, uh, or if you have an evening service, like we don't know because we don't, you don't learn for ourselves. Um, and we trust what the preacher says is accurate, which should be, right? Like, if you're a pastor, you should be preaching accurate stuff. Um, but we, we know people uh, from all different denominations who don't don't really do that. And so we they lead people astray. And then how do you guard what's not there? Right? It's like the dragon guarding Rapunzel's castle. Well, she's already climbed out. There's nothing to guard. I'm trying to, I was just, you just, I was trying to think of the story of Rapunzel. I'm like, was there a dragon in Rapunzel? There probably wasn't, but in my head, there was at the time. Okay. I'm blacksmithing. Don't judge me. <laughs> and now I think I'm confusing Rapunzel with Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Rapunzel was the one with the hair that was up in the tower, right? Yeah. R- R- Rumpelstiltskin, he wasn't in Rapunzel, was he? I don't think so. I, I don't know. It could have been. That's a whole episode, though, in Rumble Stilson. I can, I can, I can relate that to the gospel pretty quick. Anyway, let's get back on the subject. We're lost. Um, you knew what I meant. You knew exactly where I was going with it. I do. I do. I, I, I know you, podcast wife. <laughs> uh, that opened up a door that I don't think we're ready for. <laughs> <laughs> Like, don't right, let your like, East San Francisco rub off on this. But your your as pastors, right? Pastors pastors do more than just preach and speak the message of the gospel. I know that's where that's the most visible part mm-hmm. of a pastor's vocation. But right, we're pastors are called to guard the essential truths of the gospel. Can I just um, say though, before that, I before I became a pastor. Uh, like when I was little, I, I you know, I, I knew that at some point I would. And I just thought, man, how cool would that be? You only work on Sundays. Oh, yeah, me too. You work on Sundays for an hour and you're good after that. You know, two hours if you can't use group or Sunday night church. Right. You know, it's you're, it's on average. It, it's never more. It's never. I mean, I you know, I, I took a an afternoon off like last week and it was still probably 50 hours. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, 
you work way more than one day. Back on subject, but yeah, no, like as a kid, I was, I was ready for that, and then I did it, and I was tired constantly. You know, and I think this ties in because you know, in his writing, right? Paul's writing to both to Timothy and Titus, to his you know his disciples, and and in his writing, Paul's warning them, and he's thoroughly aware of false teachers, right? Mm-hmm. And and we see a lot of false teachers today, and and. And it's no different than back in Paul's day. I mean, false teachers have been there since since the beginning. Um, there's a Absolutely. you know, there's a lot of false teaching today, but there's a lot of even, and, and maybe this is a, maybe this was back in the day. But I think of you know through this season now, we have a lot of uh, kind of third way <clears throat> preachers who I think I'm, I'm going to botch my definition. of third way is probably not what your average third way preacher is going to call the third way. But to me, the third way preachers are, well, we're going to we're going to claim and we're going to maintain orthodoxy, but we're not going to talk about controversial things, you know, that the world sees are controversial, which are biblical truths. And so we're going to soften everything and we're going to kind of allow, which in essence really doesn't guard the truth because it allows for culture and culture's wants and desires to permeate the church. Yeah, and culture shouldn't shouldn't drive the church. No, and I think that's a trend we've seen, and maybe we we may have talked about this on an episode or two, or it's something that's it's been big that I've been talking about with other people. But you think when you're when you're a church planter, or you're called, the Lord calls you to plant to a church, particularly if it's a, a church in need of revitalization, um, and even if even if not, you you want to win the neighborhood, right? You want you want to win the culture. And what happens so many times is that we, the pastor, and then the body of the church ends up bending to the culture, and the culture permeates the church. And Correct. I think that's a big. I think that's a big issue that we're in now. And I think that, you know, partly with guarding the truth. So I, I read this. Um, I know I'm going to botch it, but somewhere around uh, the year 2000. The average church was about 130, somewhere between 125 and 130. And, right. and it's about 65 today. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's good. I mean, it, you know, it, the, the numbers are numbers, but the reality is I think the drop has come so much because now we have two generations, you know, a good, a good portion of the millennial generation and, and a really good portion of the Gen Z that generation who see if you do guard the truth and you maintain orthodoxy and you preach God's word, that you're hateful, that you're bigoted, that you're transphobic, that you're homophobic, that you're mean spirited, um, that you're not loving. And so they see you, right? Cause it used to be back in the day, even if your neighbor wasn't a believer and they knew you were a Christian, they disagree with you, but they saw you as a moral person. Yes. And now your neighbor who's a non-believer and knows that you're uh, knows that you're a steadfast Christian, they don't see you as moral anymore. And so now we have two generations, almost completely two generations who don't see the truth or those who guard the truth or just believers in general as being moral. No, because if you don't agree with somebody, they've got to be a horrible person. Right? There's some sort of phobic. Well, if you don't agree with me, you're phobic. 
you know, insert whatever prefix to that that word you want, but that's what it's become. Uh, and it's 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 a sad state I think that we live in because like when I was a kid, uh, all the way up through college, and I would say pre twenty teens, right up through twenty twelve. I had friends on both sides of the aisle. I I agreed with some spots with everybody. I disagreed with some spots with a lot of them, right? But we were still pretty close. Like we would we would have we would break bread together on an almost weekly occasion. Um, we would get together for for you know house parties and this and that. And we disagreed. I mean, vehemently disagreed. Um. And it didn't affect how I saw them as a person and didn't didn't affect how they saw me as a person. But something's happened in our culture, and I think it was a slow fade, although faster than what it should have been, that it's become all about me. And if you don't agree with me, you're a horrible person. Well, I think I've said it before. I'm going to play the old man card. It's that dang social media. You know you're not wrong because there, there's a lot of there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. Yeah, I think social media has got a lot to do with that because now everybody's a rock star. They have an audience, and people need to be heard. They want to hear what you have to say. And really, we don't. No, <laughs> but I, I think gonna... there's a couple of things too, right? If we're, if we're going to guard the truth, we have to defend the authority of of every of all scripture. We can't pick Correct. and choose. And so, you know, I, I think that's where, um, you know, preaching through entire books of the Bible are, are key to that. Um, you know, not really topical preaching. And I, I think that topical preaching's fine and, and sometimes is important and necessary. But I think if you're, if you're cherry picking scripture, it allows you to avoid dealing with the hard things. Correct. You know, you avoid dealing with hard texts. And then so your people never really hear this. And so they want you to preach the Bible. That's what every believer says. And then when you do preach the Bible and you get to the hard texts, they've never heard it before. And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? Why are you saying this? That's not in the Bible. Or it's easy to misinterpret scripture because you're getting it out of context. Oh, amen. Yeah. Um, and I never really thought that through the first, um, you know, the first couple pastors that I ever knew, uh, to do exponential preaching because I'd never really heard that word. Um, I mean, I was doing it when I was teaching Sunday school and youth and whatnot, um, for the most part, at least, but was, uh, Bryce, uh, and the guy that came after him, Jonathan Lafleur, um, that I friend noticed, of the show was Bryce. A, yeah, friend of the show Bryce. There was a guy in uh, in Iowa that did it, but I didn't really recognize that he was doing it, right? Um, because he made it topical, even though it wasn't. Does that make sense? But um, but Bryce, he you know he was going through books um boom 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 and and really that's when it hit me that oh man i always thought that verse meant something else 
Um, but, you know, when you look at it in its context, it completely changes the way that we, you know, that we interpret it or that we look at it. So, but, but yeah, I think that that, that leads itself to, to guarding it if you're preaching through it accidentally. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that, well, I guess this is a slippery slope. I think for a lot of pastors, we need to pursue cultural awareness. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to embrace the culture, but we should we should read broadly. Right. You know, and, and I think, you know, if you're if you're a conservative pastor and you're maintaining orthodoxy, then you, you should be aware of what's going on with the whole transgender ideology and, and push culturally and, and be informed about upcoming political elections and, and whatever the controversies are moral dilemmas of the day because if you don't have a basic knowledge of the world that your flock lives in how how can you respond to them with wisdom um but i think i know some folks who would never read broadly i mean most of us like we don't read broadly we, we won't step outside of our bubble um, because I think we, but I think we have to step outside of our bubble because as pastors, and, and I, and I do believe that this doesn't just correspond to pastors. This goes to believers as well, that believers have to be informed so that we know how to guard the truth. And for pastors, oh, wow. we especially have to do that so we can know how to disciple our flock to guard the truth. Absolutely, because, you know, I've said it countless times, um, you may not look at yourself as a pastor or a a minister, and that's inaccurate, right? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, um, the Great Commission tells us that we're all ministers, right? It's not just your pastor's job to to preach the word and, and all of that. It's... It's a common goal for all of us. Yeah, it's it, we're definitely we're all called to the Great Commission to make disciples, and we should be discipling alongside one another. And I, I think that uh, that Mary Magdalene and that Mary and Martha and that the woman at the well, you know, for those who are saying that women can't do that, like. You know, we've we've talked about this. Uh, The pastorate role is is defined. But I think Mary and Martha and Mary and the woman at the well, they lived out that great commission because they did go and tell. Right? Just like Peter and Paul and, you know, the other disciples and the other apostles, they went and told. And then they made disciples who were then going and telling. And, and so on and so forth. No, that's a good word. So, what what do you think for you? What do you do to guard the truth? Um, I think when you're a guardian of the truth, you're not well liked in certain circles, or you're going to get you're going to punch that. Yeah, you're going to catch class. Uh, I, I think it all. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I think the world now is very much like Pilate, asking Jesus what is truth, 
And right. uh, truth is truth is very relative now, right? Because my truth is my truth, and you can't deny me my truth. This is my truth. This is you can't tell me now. This is my truth. That's right. Uh, so truth is truth is very very uh, so, subjective now. You know, so I think the first thing that you do um, is you have to surround yourself with godly people, right? You have to surround yourself with people who are going to to live life with you, who are going to correct you in a, in a loving way. Um, when you when you step out of line, or, or not even so much step out of line, but like. You know, if you're misquoting something or you're misrepresenting something and you may not be doing it on purpose, right? It may just be something that, you know, blacksmith, uh, you know, blacksmith apparel, right? <laughs> you just may shoot out and you don't even realize you're saying something stupid. Um, but you surround yourself with people who are going to, you know, walk through life and call you out on it, who are going to do it lovingly, which, you know, I, I'm grateful for, for our friendship because we do this. Uh, on a daily with each other. Um, so I think that's the first step uh, is somebody who is in the ministry and who isn't in the ministry. You have to surround yourself with the right people. You also have to be in the word. You have to know how to read it. You have to understand what you're reading, right? There's so many different uh, genres within the Bible. There's prophetic, there's poetry, there's stories, right? So you have to look at what you're reading and what the context is and you know, every scripture is written to a specific audience. So what is it actually saying? Not what does it make you feel? Because like we said so many times, uh, forget your feelings. <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, I, I don't care what you, what scripture makes you feel. I care what scripture says, right? Amen. So Amen. I, think, I think, I think those are the two big things we have to do. I think we have to surround ourselves with godly people and we have to, be in the word and know what we're reading. You know, I, I think that, I think it's about 10 years ago, Rod Dreher wrote his book, the Benedict option. And I, and I hated it. Right. I, I hated that concept of us as believers kind of just living amongst themselves and, and stepping out of the world and living like in its own little Christian enclave. And I got to tell you at this season of my life, that looks and sounds sweet to just sort of, check out of the world and live in our own little commune like Benedictine monks. That's, I mean, it, that's it, the life it, I want. It sounds pretty good right now, but it's also definitely not what we're called to do though. No, I don't think it's healthy. I, um, I remember, healthy. I remember reading in the, in the heart of COVID when pastors were like, no, I'm going to love my flock and we're not going to shut down or, you know, we're still going to do our little visits and, and whatnot with our, with our flock to try to make sure that they understand that they're loved and we haven't forgot them, especially our senior. I was taken back to, I believe it was Spurgeon. And now that I've started talking about the story, um, my mind is erased, but essentially this pastor who I, I'm pretty sure was Spurgeon during another worldwide pandemic, whether it was, it was, the, or the, it was the cholera outbreaks in London. Yeah, and, you know, they're like, sir, you can't, you know, what if you get it? You can't go. And he's like, look, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but, you know, if I get it and die, then I get it and die, and I'm with, with the Lord. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm going to do what I'm called to do, regardless of the time in which I'm called to do it. Right. And serve the Lord, you know, faithfully. And and with a joyful heart, right? He went joyfully to those to those sick and dying people to let them know that you're sick and dying. Well, it probably didn't say you're sick and dying, but you know this is going on in your life and it sucks. But I love you and the Lord loves you, and you're not going through this alone. Um, and so I just think we have to live out our calling. I mean, it's hard to and, think and about what, that when. And not to like rehash the whole COVID post COVID thing, but there are churches in the West Coast who have only recently opened. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about, like within two months. Oh yeah. You know, and that just baffles me that you've not even tried to meet even past all this stuff. Yeah, no, that it it seems crazy to me. That that's happened, um, but it is what it is. You know, it's funny. I I just saw this uh, Spurgeon quote. I just pulled up. It says, "The remembrance of Jesus is at all times profitable. It is the very root of this of true spirituality, love, and devotion." And I think sometimes maybe in guarding the truth, right? Jesus is the perfect example of a guardian or the guardian of the truth. Um, and sometimes Are I you? think maybe we. I'm sorry, <laughs> go ahead and finish. Finish and then I'll come No, yeah. what did I say? No, yes, no Jesus no. is the, the example of the guardian of the truth. And, and sometimes finish we, we take our eyes. I'm going to come in. We take our eyes off Jesus. And because we're, we're too. We're too, we're too busy with platforms, trying to be winsome, you know, trying to, to win people over, um, trying not to upset the apple cart, to be liked, to, you know, I'm redundant here, but gain followers or not have people leave. And, you know, I, I think that the church is really in a season of where the Lord is separating the wheat from the chaff. And the sad part of that is, is because there are so many wolves in sheep's clothing that there are going to be some people who probably should be wheat, but right now are in a season of being chaff because they're being led. They're being led down that wide open six lane neon sign highway and not the narrow gate. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. That's why, you know, there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven. Um, Oh, he's dropping ACDC and Led Zeppelin quotes. Look at this. But no, what I was laughing about is, are you trying to tell me that uh, that Jesus is a guardian of the galaxy? No, we're not tying in Marvel. That's uh, more... <laughs> no, that's uh, some that, woke Jesus. That made you me know, giggle some, harder. You know, somebody's have. somebody's preaching that though. That Jesus is the guardian. Oh, I, it 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 happened on Easter. I know it did. And if it didn't, I'm excitedly depressed. That's some youth pastor stuff is what that is. Yeah, I just, I think of like the far-fetched Easter things and I just still think of Easter egg drops from helicopters. That made me so happy. And by happy, I mean disgusted. But no, I think you're, you're exactly right in what you said. 
And sometimes I think, I think in this season, being a guardian of the truth kind of takes an old-fashioned kind of path. Go on. I think you have to go back to, to the roots, you know, instead of trying to just try everything that's fancy and new to try to attract people. I think we just have to go back to the basics, you know, what's been laid out before us by for centuries now in Protestantism and even going back to the early church. I think sometimes that it's those basic tenets that we have to hold on to, right. To, to preach repentance, you know, the, the simple gospel, the simple message of coming to Christ is what Jesus preached, right? Repent and believe. Well, and I think we've we've talked about that in the past. Is, um, I'm just completely in blank on what I was going to say. But no, like we've talked about the the easiness of the gospel, right? Like it it shouldn't be hard to explain, but we want to make it complicated so we can make ourselves look smarter. And mm-hmm. we we all are worried about numbers, and I get it. Numbers are huge, right? The more sure. people that come through my doors on Sunday morning or come through your doors or come through any church's doors, the better. Not because it makes us look good. Like now some people want them to come through because of a a pride issue or a money issue and, and that's prevalent. Don't get me wrong. But the more people that come in, the more people hear the gospel and the more chance that somebody is going to come to know the Lord. So so one Yes, numbers are important, right? But it's not the hear-all, end-all, because the gospel is simple. Believe or repent, believe, you're saved. The guy in the middle said I could come. That's it. That's the gospel, right? It's simple. And I think as leaders... Um, and I think as church members, we complicate it because we don't study, we don't know, and so there we're not going to go actively talk to people because God forbid somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to. Hey, what does it mean in this verse when it says this, but this verse over here says this, and those seem to contradict. Are they contradictory, or am I reading reading it wrong? And then you're sitting there like a deer in a headlight. And instead of saying the most dreaded words that could come out of anybody's mouth, I don't know. Let me check that out and get back to you. We just keep our mouth shut because we don't ever want that to happen. Sure. Well, the, the, the easy answer is nothing in the Bible is contradictory. Well, I know that. You know that. But for somebody who isn't, in it and oh somebody yeah who, absolutely right like i i think i you know i uh, you know my friends that that love jesus but they're not they're not in church as much as they should be they're not in the word as much as they should be and so they don't actively try to to witness and, and to do what they should do because they're terrified that they might get asked the question that they don't know the answer to. And even people that are in church every Sunday and that are reading their Bible, they still don't quite get it. And so rather than being worried about not, uh, rather than, than just doing what God told us to do, right, we're worried about looking stupid. Sure. 
Yeah. And this is this is coming from a youth pastor, and so please hear what I'm saying. It's okay to look stupid. Sometimes. I was I, I was in youth ministry for, for a lot of years and it did me well to look stupid. <laughs> yes, I think in those environments it, it's okay for you. Yeah, you definitely gain some ground by being self-effacing and not being so not being so afraid to make a fool of yourself. Yeah, and I mean not even self-effacing, although I don't really think I know what that word means. Um, so there's that but like just being being authentic and being willing to put your that's my moment of the day but you're just being willing to put yourself out there and being vulnerable right as a society no one wants to be vulnerable anymore because no. we have to close off because if I'm vulnerable that means I'm weak and if I'm weak yeah. somebody's going to come in and take what I have yeah. and I've worked too hard to get where I'm at so no, we have true. to we have to be willing to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to put ourselves to the side and let Jesus come up and just know, I promise you, you're not going to know all the answers to the questions that people have. Because here's the thing, between me and you, we've been doing this a long time. And we don't have all the answers. There are people no, that has forgotten more about the Bible than you and I will ever know about the Bible. And they do not have all their answers. This side of heaven, we're not going to have all the answers. The other no, side of heaven, uh, on the other side, I don't care if I have the answers because I'm going to be with Jesus, and that's what matters. That's a good word. Well, Andy, I'll just encourage you and, and all our listeners to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you and dwells in you. And guard that good deposit, guard that truth through the love and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a good so Andy, one. How, how can people reach out to us? If they got some questions, they got some comments about this, um, how can they reach out to us? Yeah, so we are on the bird app, uh, the tweeter on the Twitter, um, and that and on Gmail you can reach us, and they are both at, at on Twitter it's at hillhipsterpod, uh, and at Gmail it's hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Why are you laughing? Did I say something wrong? You're like an old man. We're on the Gmail. I got the Gmail. <laughs> well, I told you I met your dad this week. That's right. Uh, well, maybe not not your real dad, but he could have been. But yeah, find us on the Gmail, youngsters. Y'all are on that <laughs> name, name interwebs. It's right. Oh, you can uh, you can tweet at us at hillhipsterpod. Email us hillhipsterpod at gmail Don't forget to check out uh, San Galgano Armory at San Galgano on Twitter and Instagram, and check out their shop um, where you're going to get merchandise, but no apparel. No apparel. You know, I'm going to make him a shirt so he can have blacksmith apparel. And that's all it's going to say is blacksmith Blacksmith apparel and then I'm going to have his logo put on it. Well, you can check. That's a moneymaker, my friend. That is a moneymaker. Just a black shirt with white letters. 
blacksmith apparel with your logo on the arm. He'll sell two. Nah, because I'll buy one for the boys. You'll get four from the from the crow household. But you can Dr. Wife, she'll never wear it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna buy her one. You could check that out at uh you could check out the St. Galgano Armory shop at Etsy.com slash shop slash St. Galgano Armory. Andy, what's uh what's on the agenda for you? Well uh, baseball. It's all baseball. Uh, yeah. Uh, the oldest has two games this week. The youngest has a bunch of practices this week. Um, he's actually got a school play I'm going to have to miss because his play is the same time as our oldest game. And so me and Dr. Wife will have to divide and conquer. You got to split the parental duties. So I'm hoping that she gets to, gets to record it so I can I can watch it that way. And not record it like Pam did on The Office? Yeah, don't pull a Pam. Dr. Wife, I know you're going to listen to this probably two weeks after this is over, and I love you more than life. Please don't pull a Pam. So, Andy, I got one more thing, um, but we don't have to suss this out now. It's going to be a rabbit trail. But uh, yay or nay, we have a mutual friend who's pulled the live stream from his church. Um, He's made the conscious decision to pull a live stream. Um, although the, the recorded sermons will be up and available after the fact. Okay. I'm, oh. thinking, I'm, think, I'm thinking about doing the same. I'm thinking about pulling our live stream and just putting up recorded sermons like in a podcast form and afterwards. Yay or nay? What do you think about that? Both. Um, this can be another podcast. Yeah. But I think there are pluses and minuses. But, um, okay, so here. Here we do. I think you don't live stream them, but I think you go ahead and record them like you're live streaming them, and you put those up after the fact. Like, but not like, just video, not just audio, because I'm just gonna put. Yes. I'm just thinking about putting up audio. No, I, I say you do both. Um, and we can we can talk about that off air, but I think there are uh, there are pluses and minuses to that, but I also. Now that I'm talking, because like I do so often, I don't think before I speak, and I'm thinking as I'm talking. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah, uh, that's what that's what we traditionally had done, right? For right. for years, until some, the world... some big platformers had live streams, but that's about it. Then the world caught on fire, and then everybody did it. So uh, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I I could be swayed either way. Um, I don't know who our mutual friend is that did this, though. So I'll tell you off the air. I have a pretty good idea, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, now that we've rabbit trailed and got you y'all thinking, all tens of people listening. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good. That's a good segue. Uh, what do you feel about live streams? Why don't you let us know? Hit, hit hit us up on the Gmail and the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy. I'm going to I'll bed. Let you, I'll, let I'll let you get back to your to the Braves and the Astros. No, I won't talk about that. It's over. I'm gonna go cry in the corner. <laughs> your loss is my your your tears of pain are my tears of joy because that means we're even after today.
yeah, we, we yeah. don't we don't lose any ground to you. Uh, there's always tomorrow and next year for Braves and Mets fans. All That's right, buddy. Right. It was good talking to you. All right, Andy. Well, y'all be careful. Uh, we love you. Reach out to us on, on Twitter and the Gmail. And be the Gmail. Later, guys. Where's the record button to stop it? <laughs>